I stand firmly in the fact that I'm one of the best to ever do this for the culture, for my coast, and for my city. This is the best rapper in LA podcast. 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 And I'm your host, Merce. 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 What up, though? What up, though? What up, though? Episode 22 of the Best Rapper in LA podcast, where we have finally, round of applause, drum roll, made it to 316, the ninth edition, which some of you may believe is my best album. We'll see if that's true. I don't agree, but maybe I will after we go through all these albums. Shut your fat mouth and listen. Anticipation got the deck stacked against me since the outset. Ninth got a feeling for an instrumental version of an album that ain't out yet, but now it's my out. Yes. And it feels so good. Till with punk fans, when I'm still so good, so good, it's ridiculous. Still like Nicholas, that means three times doper than your favorite MC riding round with a chauffeur. These niggas need Jesus, fuck it. Niggas need Oprah on his killing and his pimping and these foul ways of living scenes. Everyone's forgetting that the struggle's not over. I got sober and got drunk again. Got my boy from Carolina picked up. Up the pen, threw my nuts on the finish line. I come to win. Why you nothing to lose? I shake you out your shoes with ease, with moves parallel to those and other dreams. Couldn't wait for George to make the next Star Wars scene, so I made my own episode 316 to answer all the rumors that been shooting through your group. Yes, Ninth does really make these beats on Fruity Loops. But what does that matter? This is more than music. By buying this disc, you have bought into a movement, not a revolutionary. Nothing but the truth. I carry change. If you wanna change, that karma is for you to carry. All I'm trying to do is lighten your load so in between i'm getting faded some of y'all getting blown but i couldn't fall off and lose sight of my goal so i got sober got drunk again merch 316 let the fun begin as i said last week i haven't really listened to it in a while but i've performed these songs often But of course, this is the prelude, March 316. I guess it's a good place to start. March 16th is my birthday. Definitely raised in a Christian household, so knew the significance of John 316 as I was growing up. Uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Something to that nature, that verse, ironically, would be very key in me returning to my faith and my relationship with Jesus and God. But that's another podcast. 316 was, Austin 316 got very popular. I'm old enough to remember the John 316 signs at every sporting event. I had strayed away from professional wrestling for years. But growing up, I definitely asked and begged my mom to take me to the Los Angeles Sports Arena to see Hulk Hogan, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, Junkyard Dog. I watched Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. Sergeant Slaughter saved up the box tops and sent off for the Sergeant Slaughter t-shirt. 
Q Cobra Clutch featuring me and Cookbook. Hold on to this life like a Cobra Clutch. My mama bought me this Sergeant Slaughter t-shirt and it was so dope. Bro, it was so dope. My prized possession lost it as an adolescent. It broke my heart when I learned the truth about wrestling. It was all an act, but fuck it, so is rap. Been at it 20 plus years and all I know is that. Good friends are hard to come by. Me and Cookbook were down for years and unlike some guys, he never changed on me, never acted strange on me. And the mechanics know that he can say the same, homie. That Sergeant Slaughter shirt, shirt meant a lot to me. Wrestling meant a lot to me. Someone told me it was fake. And then I became obsessed with skateboarding and gangbanging and hip-hop and forgot all about fake wrestling. But we used to wrestle in the backyard, DDT each other on our heads, all that other grand uh, stuff. Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, you name it. We were into it. Wrestling going to USA, TNT, we didn't have cable. Uh, so that was a big gap. And then when it did come, when we did get cable, I wasn't. Yeah, you know, we didn't have cable when I was in high school, so it was it was not even an option for me to stay in touch with that because I had moved to, I guess, U.S. I didn't know about Raw, any of this. And I didn't have the time or money. I was pursuing a rap career. But once I started hanging out on Cloverdale, had more free time, homie Terry Smith had the cable box. The Attitude Era had just, I think, and it was slightly after DX. I never really watched the DX thing, uh, NWO, and... Uh, Steve Austin was my return. I remember Mike T. Shout out to Mike T. from the from the town, from Oakland, uh, from the Bay Area, aka Michael Wall Street. He was into wrestling, so we used to talk. He would inform me about Stone Cold and The Rock, and I, and he got me uh, excited to check into it again. And then I started checking into it. So me and Mike T. Then I started discovering other rappers that were into it. You know, UWF was something I was into. Doctor Death, Steve Williams is my favorite wrestler. I made reference to him on For Real. When you were going over hip hop's new line of clothes. I was combining flows to clothesline hoes from across the ring. Like, that's Steve Williams, I'm telling you, I kill him. And if my style is too raw to be felt, then fuck it, that's just the hand that I'm dealt. And I'ma deal with it. I don't think he's ever been referenced in a rap song, but there weren't, weren't a lot of wrestling fans open, openly, rappers openly into wrestling and wrestling nerd. I returned to be a wrestling nerd. I guess this is late 90s and uh, got... The idea for Mars 316 from the Austin 316 shirts. But for me, it was my birthday. And also, 316s are used to format for rap songs, blah, blah, blah. So many reasons. Marketing, I took a lot of inspiration from merch and marketing and uh, just rap in general from wrestling, what they call cutting promos when wrestlers talk shit. And I like Steve Austin because it was said that he freestyled a lot of his shit, his promos. And it just got very, wrestling got very entertaining. First t-shirt, first merch I ever had for myself was a March 316 shirt. Shout out to Al from New Hood Order who pressed it. Uh, he was around the neighborhood at the time. He had a silk screen business and uh, he gave me a discount because I would put uh, the New Hood Order logo on the sleeves of my merch. And it was promoting black business, which was cool as well. He would meet me with a trash bag full of, you know, merch, and I would sell it. And it was Merch 316, and the first Merch 316 shirts had a huge sumo wrestler and a little guy on the back, which was supposed to be me. I don't know if Al did that design, or maybe T.S., who we talked about last week, did the design. And I was supposed to be a little bit like mostly my brother and me. Uh, <laughs> my little brother and I was huge. Yeah, that was it, man. Uh, that was the design. That was the first Merch 316 shirt. Still had wrestling involved with the big wrestling, sumo wrestling on the back. 
I love all types of wrestling, sumo wrestling as well. When I was doing good music and traveling to Japan a lot, I got to go to authentic sumo wrestling matches. Phenomenal. Still one of the best sporting events I've ever been to. If you go to Japan, I'd never been to a, a professional wrestling match in Japan, but I would doubt that it's as exciting as a sumo wrestling match. Please, if you go to Japan, they like... Like the concessions are like bento boxes. There's no seats. You have to like literally sit cross-legged in a little box. It's very, it's a very traditional Japanese sport and experience. And it's dope. It's so dope. I can watch it on TV now because I understand it from watching live the different classes and what it means and the fans and the ceremony and the sand on the, on the, um, what is not a mat, but whatever. I love professional wrestling, but sumo wrestling, I would go watch live before professional wrestling any day. So if you make the trip to Japan and you think, especially if you're a wrestling fan, you're going to see New Japan or whatever, Wrestle Kingdom, whatever you have your dream, trust me, the Tokyo Dome may be great and I have never been, I will go, but seeing a traditional sumo wrestling match will be far better than any professional wrestling. And this is, I've been to six WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, all that shit. Sumo wrestling is where it's at. Anyway, 316, T-shirts, merch, Vince McMahon, fuck him, but a huge influence. Put out a tape because merch 316 originally was supposed to be my first vinyl. And the person working at the distribution company didn't want to put out my record. So I took that those songs and made a tape called Merch 316. So there is a, there are probably 100 tapes out there with the all-black cover. I figured out how to do negative printing at Kinko's on a slick type of paper. It was dope. It was a dope packaging. The dopest packaging, simple, huge, like, crispy packaging I had done for one of my tapes. And I yeah, started selling the Merch 316 tape. So that's why this is called Merch 316, the ninth edition. There's so many gatekeepers that kept trying to box living legends out. And there was still a lot of supporters, but our supporters were mostly the people. It wasn't too much radio love, wasn't too much record store love, like FTC. Amoeba was, we were the first people in Amoeba because we bothered the fuck out of them by standing in front of their place and actually selling shit. And a uh, shout out to Karen and everyone early on at Amoeba. God bless them. Shout out to John Lou. Shout out to just Mona, everybody at Amoeba. Like, because they are just people who love music and love the culture around music and creation and art. Real people that are pro-artists and artists themselves. Yeah, if you're going to be a gatekeeper, just let people in who are serious and artists. So yeah, I've booked a lot of people I do not care for their music or pay dues. People I don't care for per personally. I've booked people for pay dues who owe me tens of thousands of dollars. I will not stop you from getting money if you are serious about your art and you have a fan base or you have an idea that you're communicating as clearly as you're possible and you believe in it. If you're passionate about it, I will not. If it makes sense, will not. You know, I don't make boom bap classic. People, I get grouped with backpack rap all the time, but I wasn't, I always say I wasn't sounding East Coast enough. I am from Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. And I, all this was inspired. I was going to go a different direction with this episode. And then I, um, my studio's in South Central. I'm in the heart, or not the heart, but pretty damn close to the heart of South Central. You know, I just saw a white dude with tattoos on his head and a black eye sitting at the bus stop with a so set a set of, of, of socket wrenches, the little sockets in a socket wrench, trying to fix some clippers, some hair clippers. You can't use a socket wrench on hair clippers, but he's trying. It's... 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The sun is up. Then there's Jehovah Witnesses uh, with their stands and their books. Older black folk in suits and pretty dresses and hats right on the same corner. 
I'm really from L.A., bro. I've been in this neighborhood my whole life, you know, working with my family off and on. But, man, like, I couldn't be. And I love Biggie. I love Boot Camp Click. And shout out to Savant Vintage Union. It's a, a vintage Japanese motorsports uh, store he just opened up. I'll throw a link in here in the, in the bio if you're into vintage Japanese cars. But Savant was a huge person, point, per, a huge turning point for me. Uh, I was in Log Cabin and I was doing a song with this guy named Neo Sapien and I was dissing gangster rap and he was dissing gangster rap and he was a white person and I didn't understand. I was so trying to be different and not be who I was that I thought it was okay. And I played it for Savant, who is from this neighborhood as well. And uh, but he's just like, that's not you. That is not you. What is, what is all this weird old space shit and you trying to rap fast like Freestyle Fellowship? And Man, come on. On this planet, we feature many a creature, a nine-armed octopus, even a preacher once, but he had to be extinguished because he refused to relinquish his beliefs in a messiah who's coming twice, but was only supposed to come once. Aside from the mentally deranged, there's also a mountain range. It's available for hiking if it's to your liking. Just be on the watch for the seven-foot Sasquatch who devours YMCs taking his first bite at the crotch. There's an underwater game of hopscotch. At 30,000 leagues, you can stash your doctors and David Jones' lot. Just beware the back. I know you. I know where you You know, like, and there was things in the room like that. Like, we, I, we were not on that wave. We respected that wave, and I think I love all that shit, but that's not what I was living that's not who I was. That's not who I am. I don't see any other rappers when I'm in, in South Central or when I'm jogging through Inglewood and uh, training for this marathon, jogging up Crenshaw, jog, jogging down Imperial, up Van Ness, cross 111th, up Prairie. Like, all these places, I'm not I'm not ever meet, ever seeing none of these motherfuckers talking that shit. And I'm everywhere, you know? And if they're outside, they're outside in their neighborhood because it's not wise for them, I'm not dissing them. But if they're really active gangbangers, it's not wise. Me, I'm not a gangbanger, but I am from the hood. I'm from L.A. I'm from South Central, Midtown, West L.A., Inglewood, Watts. You can catch me, in, you know, just at the Darby Park. I'm with my kids. I'm, I'm in the community, um, if you want to call it the hood. I'm in the community. So there was no way once I was, I was 16, 17, having this conversation with Savant, he was just like, nah. And ever since then, I've just been real turned up on being very L.A. And it's paid off in dividends, but it didn't pay off for the gatekeepers who thought, even on the West Coast, who thought that real hip-hop could only be if you wanted to sound like Premier or Black Thought or your affiliate from New York or New Jersey, um, you had to have that traditional classic East Coast hip-hop sound. Nothing's equivalent to the New York state of mind. State of mind. And Little Brother has that, with with definitely some North Carolina flavor, and they represented where they were from. One, two, y'all. You about to set it like this on them, Little Brother. Justice League, Fonte, Big Pooh, and then, hey, yo, yo. Once again, what you're hearing now is Fonte's power steering style. I'm killing niggas at will. Freestyle legend act. Capture the ears of shell veterans. When the stakes got raised like Braille lettering. Down to the exact scale measurements. Time to let these motherfuckers know exactly what it is I represent. Real rhymes, you're prone to remember me. I roam like a cell phone in Italy in search of the real shit. But I always felt like there's a lot of self-hate in, in, in the West Coast scene where, I don't, I don't know, man. It just was never me. So my sound didn't fit. 
I am happy to be with Legendary Music, with Def Jux, with Rhyme Sayers. I'm happy I ended up doing business with the people I did business with anyway. All that to say is if someone's keeping you out, they're probably keeping you out of some shit. Because, yeah, I, I didn't want those problems. And I don't think the people wanted those problems with me. I didn't want those problems with them. I didn't want that. So I am grateful um, for all the gatekeeping, so to speak, that I had to uh, work around all the obstacles that got me to higher ground. Because once you climb over an obstacle, you do have the higher ground. Unless you, you know, like I said, unless you hop back down. But to me, when I'm climbing over obstacles, I can get up on it and reach higher. And that's what I've always done. If something's in my way, I'm going to figure out a way to hop it. And um, Tetris, hopping fences as a kid to do graffiti and other various nefarious activities, I think teaches you that. They put a gate here and say, you can't do that. I, and if what I want is on the other side of that gate, I'm going to get over it. Whether it's getting out of school, getting into a yard to write, do a piece, to get into a fight, to whatever. I've hopped fences for many reasons, and I'm not going to stop. Um, fences don't stop me, and gatekeepers have never stopped me, and they shouldn't stop you. That's, to me, God's way of seeing how bad you want it or developing something in you that will pay dividends down the road or keeping you from doing business with some just someone you're not not meant to do that thing you're not meant to do that thing with that individual Another data face. I'm shed cropping in this paper chase. Take a deep breath and clear my database. It's afternoon, I'm talking shit to my alarm clock. Cause I gotta face this world of capitalistic onslaught. Don't stop when I jump in the whip. Trying to get it off. Belt line got me rushing like Barishna call. Pushing 80 miles an hour to this call center. Trying to pick up a check. I only see 20% of until the weekend. It sounds crazy when I'm saying it, but sleepless nights got me forgetting what day it is. Little brother Speed came out. I'm on tour for the uh, My Way and the Highway tour. This is It gets foggy around here, but I'm on, definitely on the My Way and Highway tour with Scarab, uh, Lucky I Am, Brother Ali, BK1, and Mums the Word is driving the van and possibly doing merch. I don't think we had a merch person or BK is doing merch. If you have that t-shirt from uh, My Way and Highway tour, I'll buy it from you. It was my little action figure getting ran over by a car. Yeah, man. I met, I met this dude, man. He came on the, on the My Way and the Highway tour. So on the whole tour, I didn't sleep with one girl that was over 21 years old. Huh. <laughs> now I wrote this rhyme, standing out on the Salt Lake, trying to find a different... Finally headlined my own tour, 2003. We get to Petaluma. And I forget the name of the theater in Petaluma, but if you've done a show in Petaluma, you know. And at this time, I'm, I'm in love with Sublime. I watched the documentary. I know... The song I know has a part where I know the time is unfair when I listen to Sublime. And then I cut it in or I had Mum's um, Word also served as my... Who was DJing for me on that tour? It might have been... I don't remember who was DJing for me on that tour. I'm so sorry. But breaking the song, I may not have had a DJ at all. I think it might have been off the instant replay with Lucky. Because I think Mum's set up the instrumentals. We sat at his house. He lived in the hood. He lived on Mass and Lynn and Pico. And I lived on Burnside and Pico. I walked over to his house and we did it on Pro Tools in his house. And we cut the, you know, time isn't fair when I listen to Sublime. 
And then it comes in with, I don't practice Santeria. I know that that's the reason that I have to go for mine. I know that waiting on no man is the scheduled flight of time. I know that time is unfair when I listen to survive, to survive, to survive, to So I knew we were coming to Petaluma. Petaluma is the place, and that theater where we perform Petaluma is the last place that Bradley Knoll performed before he passed away. For me, always like the vibes of Petaluma. Um, I've been there on family, just family vacation. There's a little, if you ever want to take a staycation vacation, there's a little, you can um, rent out Airbnb, a, a Airstream trailer. Um, me and my wife did that when she was pregnant with our first child and just hung out in downtown Petaluma, saw movies, ate vegan food, and hung out. It's a dope-ass spot. Petaluma's a dope city beach, but still NorCal vibes. If you're vegan and you eat Amy's, there's an Amy's, I believe it's Amy's, you eat the Amy's frozen foods. If you're like me, vegetarian, vegan, off and on for the past two decades, you know their brand because they're one of the first frozen vegan organic brands. They have a fast food restaurant there. There's a dope, dope bars. There's a dope hotel. I think it's Hotel Petaluma now. Dope. Petaluma's a dope city. They have, that's where Mac Dre had bomb ass shows. We had some dope Living Legends shows there. Oh, somebody in Living Legends hit somebody with a lit pumpkin one time. Stupid motherfuckers. I hope that person's okay. Inside this theater, there's a there's quarter pipes. They ripped out the seats. Bathrooms are fucking janky as fuck, but it's amazing. I love that place. After that show at Petaluma, I'm juiced. I'm drinking at this point. I run into a guy who managed or from Fresno with Aesop, and uh, we told the story. He did the beat for Speed of Life, and Speed of Life was in Tony Hawk Underground as was Transitions as a as a writer, which has put so many people on our music. We can do a whole, I could do a whole episode about, I probably, I think I've been in more video games than any other rapper, but that may not be true. But as far as indie rap goes, I probably got the world beat, but it's not a contest. I've been in a lot and I'm grateful. I was in Tony Hawk Underground, which I played the fuck out of every Tony Hawk game. So being in there meant the world to me. The check wasn't huge, but I was grateful for it. And it's more than I needed and deserved. I just want to say that's not a lot, dude, because people think like, oh, you're in a video game. We didn't get $100,000 and not even a, a tenth of that. So, And also to give perspective to this incident, apparently the producer didn't get paid when a guy as Tony Hawk, and I think he's assuming that it's more than it is. And I had no idea, but like, as I said before, like if I'm throwing, I'm just a very, side sidebar, please watch the American, American Saga, whatever, the Wu-Tang shit on Hulu. It's challenging and somebody's definitely been acquainted, acquainted with the Wu-Tang Clan personally for years. It's, it's kind of hard to watch some of 
the it's hard to watch biopics when the people are still alive or and especially when you know the people or you can watch interviews of the people. So it was a challenge from the outset, but I'm glad they did it. I think it was well done, as well done as possible. Probably the best biopic in hip-hop, period. Because, like I said, to me, it's never easy to pull off. It's easy to pull off a Malcolm X biopic because he's been gone for so long and he's not fresh. Like Malcolm X, and unfortunately in my head, is Denzel Washington. Because he did such a good job imitating him, and I never was alive to live Malcolm X in real time. And he's, you know, there's no I have a dream with Malcolm X that's been that's banged into your head, and pictures of him aren't really banged into your head if you're in the traditional American school system. And if he's not, like, I grew up with seeing the autobiography of Malcolm X in that one picture, but even that picture was a, a drawing. And then the picture of him looking out of the window by any means necessary type of picture. But it's his profile. And they did a great job in making Denzel look like that. That said, Wu-Tang had a challenge in front of it. And I think also by a third season in the pandemic and all the young men in there getting to study their roles and women getting to study their roles a little more. I think by the third season, they're on a fucking mission. I'm not mad that they cut it, but oh man, watch that. It is... To me, it's, it's powerful. But there's a part, and Ray keeps saying, like, yo, I'm, I'm a type of deal right deal right here and now, kind of in word. Like, and that's how I'm, like, I'll deal with you when I see you. And it'll be extreme. And sometimes I tell people, like, I'll hold someone's hand while they shake my hand. and be like, I don't like you, and I don't remember why, but I want to fuck you. I've done that before. Be like, hold on. Like, not, you can't go until I remember. And I ran into this dude, and it was on. I was like, Bro, like, and I'm trying to say bro and not cuss because I don't want to finish our blood. He tried to sue us. I'm like, why would you try to sue my crew? You want to take us to court? I'm going to beat the shit out of you, bro. The level of ignorance for me, ignoring the fact that this is a person that's ready to go to litigation over a song and a little bit of money. If I physically assault this person, they're definitely going to get the law involved. What was I thinking? And so Todd Mumford is breaking up the fight or stopping me from, I don't know what it was. I was I don't know if I was trying to get my backpack off or why I, why I didn't take off or was I just talking shit and not really wanting to fight. I don't know. But later on, I learned that like, he managed a young artist by the name of Fashion, who has gone on to be a good friend of mine. And so is this guy, too. And Fashion was rocking up behind me. He's like 17 and he's like, I'm with all, he was with all the bullshit about, the, if I would have said it on Homeboys, Fash was going to set it on me with a couple of his friends, That it would have been bad for me. Or just, you know, I don't know where Lucky was, like it would have been a brawl. Which I, what I thought was going to be a one-on-one fight was never going to be that. Todd puts me in the tour van, like a bad child. Uh, guy comes up and knocks on the tour van window. His name is Ian Davis. To me, a Bay Area legend. I should hope that everyone respects him as such. Very well-connected, great ear for music, really kind dude, gentleman, and a scholar. He said, hey, man, I, f I really feel like this is another tour after Creative Differences because uh, Grouch had mentioned wanting to work with Ninth Wonder as well. I have never, I don't think to this day, heard the song Speed. I have never heard the listening um, by Little Brother.
take it home, kick off my shoes, relax and play, and spin it for the whole joint, cause I like to get the whole point, music is everything to me, I refuse to rock the piece, cause you my favorite MC, all I want is what you would ask of me, high quality and some definition, wonder why we bootleg like it's prohibition, it's difficult, it's dismission, I got suspicions that your ears to the street when we whispering, are you listening, you listening, you listening, you listening, my best friend Terry Smith bought our record store we went, grew up going to. I don't know if he was working at it and owning it or just working there at the time before he bought it. But when I got home from whatever tour I was on, I believe, or before I left for tour, Grouch, one of those things with Living Legends, he said, man, you have, I don't know shit about beats. I will rap to whatever feels good to me. And I'm, I love rapping, so most things feel good to me. But reading hip-hop journalism and also hearing how people came down for Nas, on Nas and so many other rappers that were had great pen game but said their beat selection was whack, I was very conscious that I'm not very rhythmic. I'm not, I'm amusical. I need help when it comes to music and rhythm. And I knew that early on. So when Terry, who I think has great taste in beats and has a great ear, said, you need to rap with Ninth Wonder, I took that as the gospel. ID knocks on the door and says, yo, I got a beat tape from Ninth Wonder, do you want to hear it? I said, yes. Kept rolling down the window. I put the beat tape in, and it had chopped up vocal samples. Give me some of that good old love. Oh. Let me make you, you. Give me some of that good old love. I said, yes. Get him on the phone right now. ID called Ninth Wonder. I said, man, I'm working on her EP. Because the Def Jux, everyone, like, there's a Daylight EP. There's a RJD2 EP. Everyone was doing EPs after their album. Kind of like people do uh, the deluxe editions, but they wouldn't re-put it out with all the songs. There'd just be five or six, seven new songs, remixes, and stuff. So I was preparing for what I thought would be my EP. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of dudes on the East Coast work slower than we do. So it was a stopgap while they worked on the next album. Or at least dudes on the Def Jux label. I was like, let's do an EP. Let's do a remix, a couple remixes. And Knife was like, cool, I'm with it. What's up? And we got, I think we exchanged numbers. Somehow we got in contact. The next significant event, I believe I got home off a tour. I had a tape full of beats. I believe Todd Mumford, it's the same studio we did on San Vicente where we did uh, Merce Rules the World. Still, He's still working out of there with Tone Lopez, who is now one of the most uh, accomplished tour managers in the world. Shout out to Tone again. Uh, him and Tone and Bear and everybody, I forget, uh, Concentrated Entertainment was Todd's. Can't Kick, there's so many, two mechs, so many legends that came, to me legends, that came out of there. That San Vicente spot, and it's still a studio now today. I think it's BMX Studios or something. We were there, and he looped up the beats from the tape or something and put them in Pro Tools. I rapped, but I have a whole song to this master. I would, if I could find it, I probably would lay it. I would break my rap vow and lay this song, relay this song over the Master Ace beat. I don't know it's Master Ace's beat at the time. Hey, yo, the world gonna show me some love, listen. And I'm not talking about the fake hugs and kissing. In 15 years, a lot of love is missing. I done already showed I'm not above the dissing. I'ma take what I'm old, won't wait till I'm old. The game got rules and y'all breaking the code. I record it, and for some reason, I'm still what we call, we call Code 53. 
or something at the skate shop. Liberty Board Shop slang Code 50, whatever. Code, whatever. I had a full-on relapse with my ex. So I go from Midtown to Orange County after I record the song. And I'm so juiced. I call Ninth on my ex's phone and long distance to North Carolina. And this is where you had to put this phone to the speaker and play the song. Bounced it to tape. I can even see the color of the tape deck. And there's one speaker on the tape deck. It's broken. <laughs> the little plastic cover and all is broken. So it's right, literally right up against the speaker. I'm playing it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole song, I play the whole song, ladies and gentlemen. I said, so what you think? I put the phone over here. Man, I already gave that beat to Master Ace. And I have a term for you. So I like, I, I, I lost it. I crept out. I was like, cuz. Like, I was like, bro, this is not gonna happen ever again. I'm coming to your house. I get off tour right before Thanksgiving. I'm coming to your house. I'm talking crazy. I think he's gonna say, shut up, you crazy motherfucker. And we're just gonna record everything there in real time so that this never happens again. And I think back then, like, people used to take home beats on write for weeks. Like, I did. I write to beat. Then we go to the studio. Like, not a lot of people from the Sunspot Jones school of, like, right then, right now. Two songs a day. I was up to already up to two songs a day um, level. So I was like, you know, and also like the Tupac song, stay focused, bang out of here today. Like that mentality, reading about Pac, I was like, I can do this because I've, I've been in the Sunspot Jones dojo. I'm fucking ready. Coming to your house, brother. You live in North Carolina, never been uh, to North Carolina. I have for tour. But yep, I know. I was. I think I was like, yep, okay. And that's Carborough. I forget the name of the venue, but it's not really Durham. But still, I was like, I yep, buying a ticket, fuck it. Because I had flown to New York to do this album with Def Jux, flown to Minneapolis uh, to do stuff with Sean and an idea. I'm like, I'm, let's do it. Fuck it. And he was with it. I said, cool, man. This is still before the threat. This is before he's met Jay-Z. Put that knife in you. Take a little bit of life from you. Am I frightening you? Shall I continue? I put the gun to you. I let it sing you a song. I let it hum to you. The other one sing along. Now it's a duet. And you wet. When you check out the technique from the two texts. And I don't need two lips. The blow this like a trumpet, you dumb shit. I'm on another tour. This is still in the process. I'm doing 200 shows a year. So I don't know why I'm in San Francisco or what show it is. It could be Broke Ass Summer Jam because it's usually when we all stay at the Phoenix Hotel, which is a legendary rock and roll hotel. I don't know if I got a message that he called or I got a call from him or if I had a cell phone. But he, this is before social media. I think it's before, even before MySpace, maybe. Or maybe right around the time MySpace and face, Facebook opened up to the world, MySpace started popping. This definitely has to be 2003. Because the album comes out spring of 2004. He says, and this is still working quick because this is like, you need, I need, I'm on tour and I'm outside by the pool and I'm, I could see myself in a t-shirt. So it can't be that late into the winter, especially in September. So maybe September, or August, somewhere around there, maybe October 2003. I, I, I'm on the phone with him and he's like, yo, before it hits the blogs, this is a thing. I want to let you know that I'm leaving the studio right now. I'm in a cab. So he had to be on a cell phone. I just left Beyonce and Jay-Z playing a beats. I said, oh shit, at this point, I am the biggest Jay-Z fan I know. Are you serious? Hove. Are you? Wow. Okay. And this is, to me, still Rock La Familia is the, the newest album, like, 
he can do no wrong for me. Okay, congrats, bro. That's amazing. I know someone who knows Jay-Z. Wow. Who met Jay-Z. He's like, but I didn't play him any of your beats. Because I was mad about the Master Ace shit. This is why he's family. And we are, I don't want to like say friends for life. We are, we are for lifetime connected. I was like, you didn't, you didn't play him any of the beats that you gave me? So I, I don't know what tour this was on or if it wasn't even a tour or where I was in the world. I don't, I don't know. But I remember whatever tour I was on, I had a beat tape from him. And the only, I think the only beat that we used from that tape was Hustle. And I only had the hook, but I remember pulling into Chicago with this tape. And why, why I was happy he didn't give the beat away, because I loved Hustle. That's a f one of the, well, I don't say one of the first, but still early on when uh, I heard the beat and the, I didn't go to soundcheck. I said, I'm not, I didn't, I rarely miss soundcheck. I was like, just drop me off at the hotel. I got to write this song. So maybe I even wrote the whole song. I went straight to the room and wrote the whole song. A lot of people want to knock what we do on my block, but we do what we do because we ain't got a lot. And you might get shot if your tongue's not watched Cause dudes walk around with hand cannons and they cry Fucking up the way they walk Stuck to the strip like scotch With the top-notch watch That could cook clean watch See, times is too hard for us to ever go soft So the doc got me on prescription strength so long So I could deal with the stress and I won't go off but It had a fucking rhythm It wasn't the typical it wasn't the the structure of hooks that we've talked about on this podcast. This was the whole thing just came to me. I think maybe he sent it to the hotel and I put the tape in my Walkman and I hopped out of the van, I feel like, and like I got to go back to the room and write this song. That's how I'm going to paint it. Um, I'm watching a, a Nikki Giovanni documentary. Nikki Giovanni is an amazing poet. I was born in the Congo. I walked to the Fertile Crescent and built the Sphinx. I designed a pyramid so tough that a star that only glows every 100 years falls into the center, giving divine, perfect light. I am bad. I sat on the throne drinking nectar with a lot. I got hot and sent an ice age to Europe. Uh, Discovery Mars, I believe it's called, just dropped, as far as I know, on HBO Max. Please watch that. But she says, like, my memory doesn't really work. And that's how storytelling works anyway, because I'll just tell it, I'll tell, basically tell it better than it happened. So I'm going to say I picked up the thing. From, I remember the hotel it was and everything. Picked up the tape from the front desk, put it in, got in the van, started listening to the beat. I heard Hustle, stopped the van, went back upstairs and wrote the whole song and then performed it. Uh, I think probably Sub-T, Subterranean in uh, Chicago. told me he didn't play Jay-Z in the beats. I was like, are you crazy? You should have played them all. Play them all the beats. But I was hoping that it wasn't Hustle. Tour ends... Me and I want to talk a couple times. I believe we hung out in Philly at this thing called Beat Society. 
Shout out to Steph T's, Steph Tata's, my sister, my homegirl. But people in that scene were hating on Ninth Wonder because of Fruity Loops. He made beats on a PC, and that was unacceptable. So he wasn't allowed to compete in Beat Society or these other beat battles before he got the Jay-Z look, before anything happened. He was a dude with a hot record on a hot indie label, but producer, but so what? So fucking what? You can't be in our club because you don't bang on drum pads. This is still around the time, too, where people are like, you're not a real DJ. I'm carrying all my records. Fuck Serato. This and the and the music industry, fuck Napster. Everybody's the old guard. These are the gatekeepers. The old guard is standing their ground on this technology and you're not real and this is not the way music is to be consumed. And for better or worse, or for better and worse, it was unstoppable. Those same people would later invite Ninth to do things there. I was at those events as well. I was at the events where he wasn't allowed to play. I was at the events where he was all of a sudden the king of the event. And everyone's bringing a fucking laptop up. But for you all that are just starting to produce, once again, like, don't let any that stop you. And I'm saying this, and I that's why I said, yes, Knife does really make these beats on Fruity Loops. To answer all the rumors that been shooting through your group, yes, Knife does really make these beats on Fruity Loops. But what does that matter? This is more than music. By buying this disc, you have bought into a movement. Not a revolutionary, nothing but the truth. I carry change if you want to change. That karma is for you to carry. All I'm trying to do is lighten your load. So in between, I'm getting faded. Some of y'all getting blown. I couldn't I was sick of it. A lot of the times, I try to say, and Knife is taking songs off where I, I will speak up for him because he's very not confrontational or I won't say not confrontational nah he's not he's not for a lot of drama he just wants everything to be cool and I feel like I I'm supposed to talk for you bro because you know to this day and I think I'll probably be able to rest my hat on this is I've rapped on more Ninth Wonder Beats than any human or on songs that are out and maybe just in general than any human being alive I have more songs with him than anyone else I don't know if I spent more time with him than any other rapper, but it's, I'm up there. And this is why. Because of the kind of person I am and the kind of person he is, I fly into North Carolina after tour. Infamous pajama pants. I can tell you the exact outfit I have so you can feel the year. They are light blue, Twinkies, baggy, large pajama pants with brand new Homer Simpson stunks as seen in the Batman video. I think I have a, a half hawk. Shout out to Al Digger, aka Legends OG, Legends Barbershop. When it was on Wilshire on the, you know, when it was on Wilshire on uh, the east side of Detroit. I've been going to Legends Barbershop for a long time, so I'm sorry that doesn't really have any relevance to you. But someone just asked me if I ever heard of Legends Barbershop. Al had this haircut, as you see the Batman video, called the Half Hawk. It's like a fade, but it's in one corner. Inspired by, to me, I liked it because I wanted, I got an H-Town fan. Also, as we talked about in the last episode, I was in love with Houston rap and Houston culture. So when I went to Houston, I went to the swap, swap meet. Like I said, I go, when, I, when I go places, I'm going to the hood. I'm going to San Diego. I'm going to Fan Mart. I'm, Noel, I'm going to Knife Ward. Like, I am going to find the hood and my people... Like, like I'm from South Central. It's not a gangster. It's just where I feel comfort around people who look like me and under have 
common understanding. I want to touch down with that. My music may not represent that to you. My look may not represent it to you, but that is my heart being in the black community wherever I can find it. So I went to the, whatever swap meet, I forget what it was. I went to Timmy Chan's or the 610 Loop. If you're from Houston, you know what I'm talking about. It's like soul food. If, you, if you're ever in Houston, I don't know if it's still good, but Timmy Chan's, Fried rice with like gravy, brown gravy, like black people gravy. Fried chicken, fried rice with gravy. It sounds like clogged arteries, but it tastes like, mm. So I'm obsessed at this point. So I'm going to Timmy Chan's. I'm going to get screw tapes. I'm driving by the old screw house. Getting the H-Town fade is when your whole head is basically faded to the front of your head in a small like circle in a patch, basically in the front. So I got an H-Town fade. And from there, I think dig a... Uh, convinced me to get the half hawk, which he designed, which is like a fade to the left, like a mohawk kind of, but with a part. And you see in the Batman video, people thought I was crazy. But this is also why I grew dreads because I was very particular about my fades um, because I had some of the best barber, Keith, Al, Goose, Quan, like some of the best barbers to me in the world. T Tur, Lester from uh, that, my homie Chris from who went to the Navy, like the best, like, I would have grown men in a swap meet stop me like, who did your fade? Like, or when you walk past a barber shop on Crenshaw, like, I've walked past magnificent barbers and motherfucker come out and be like, yo, who did your shit? This is, I was, the way I am about hip hop and, and I was about tennis shoes and comic books, I was about my fucking fade. So I get off the plane with a crisp half hawk, a, car, a, medium, a medium Carmelo Anthony Denver Nuggets rookie jersey, light blue and gold to match the Twinkies, to match the Homer Simpsons. I am fly as fuck in my mind. But I just got off the plane in the country. I just got off the plane in Durham, North Carolina. They were not ready for this alien being to step off the flying saucer. I had never, I don't even know what, I think I had only talked tonight. I had never met Ninth Wonder in my life. I saw Pooh and Tay on tour with Hyro, and I went to meet them and Doe at their uh, RV. They were still all a group, but Knife wasn't on the tour. Flash, Doe, Pooh, Sean Don, and Tay, Fonte. I met all of them on Sunset across from House of Blues. I made it, I made it a point to go up there and say, what's up, because I'm going I'm to see y'all in a couple months in North Carolina when I come to record with Knife. Checking in to me, that's the, what you do, this uh, thing. You check in. Knife picks me up. I believe at this time he had just gotten a copy of the threat. We go to a CVS parking lot in Durham or Raleigh, and all his homeboys are there, and he plays it for them for the first time. I think we listened to it a couple of times. Yeah. I done told you niggas nine, ten times, stop fucking with me. I done told you niggas nine albums, stop fucking with me. I done told you niggas nine on me, stop fucking with me. You niggas must got nine lives. Night wonder. Night wonder. Night wonder. But Jay says his name. He does, I don't think he says too many other names of the producer on that album. Maybe he does. But I've tuned it all out. But you must have nine lives. Ninth wonder. Bro, I feel a certain way about that moment. I can only imagine how him and his homies felt. So I'm, to me, I'm already like in the inner, inner circle. Because I'm sharing this moment where their dude, who as of last year, I don't even think had a record out. Now has a record out that's 
tearing up the underground charts, so to speak, but is has the biggest buzz of any other indie act, the biggest buzz of any rapper in North Carolina for sure, ever, that that are rapping, rapping NC. It's huge for North Carolina. It's huge for the Carolinas. It's huge for that reach from, you know, anywhere south of Virginia and north of Atlanta. It, to me, is huge. And now, arguably the greatest rapper alive is saying, his name with Cedric the Entertainer on the song too. Yo, what's up, pimp? This threats. And it's one of the best songs on the. I, I, I'm biased, so y'all can let me know. But man, and this is an album he's on of the who's who of producers. This is what puts him in the pantheon because his song, his debut on a major label release, is not on a new artist. It's on the artist on the album with the artist with all of the producers. This is why my friend is who he is. And he didn't go in there with an arrogant attitude. He didn't go in there, I'm going to do this. He just got a call. To me, that's like saying, we're calling you up from the G League to play in Game 7. Because this is supposed to be ninth one, um, Jay-Z's last album. They called Ninth Wonder up from the G League to play, to start Game 7. I own starting would be a single release, so it's not the single, but to play in game seven and to actually get time and be on the court and be a factor. Because that album is part of why it's one to me one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. That song is. That song is memorable. That song is epic. To me, top five songs on the album. And I could be wrong. I mean, you know, people argue all the time, just, but it, he's there and he deserves to be there. At no point do you listen to that song and are like, ah... You can't have the Black Album without threat, arguably. Being a part of that moment. After that, we all rolled to a party. I don't know if it's at North Carolina A&T or North Carolina. Probably Central. Central. I can't even say how they say it. Central. I say North Carolina Central. Central. They have a way to say it that I can't say it correctly. But uh, we go to a party at North Carolina Central. I don't care how many times I say this. I'm from L.A. When there is a group of Black people listening to rap music, someone is getting beat up or shot. That is not a hyperbolic statement. That is just a fact. Even at the peaceful function, I was just building with uh, Badru about this. Like Majestics, hip-hop hippies, like all these dance crews, rumbles. Somebody, and maybe there are a couple unities where there weren't a lot of fights or a fight, but listening to popular, where guys and girls are dancing with each other, and there's rap music being played and there's a majority of black crowd, where I'm from, there's a fight. Last house party I went to before this in Oakland, I had to jump out a second story window because someone started shooting. But definitely in Southern California. So they said, we're going to a party. My defenses are up, but we're deep because we were ninth and all his homies. So I'm like, all right. it is. But And I'm used to this. I'm, it is what it is. But I also, at this point, have been touched enough of the black communities throughout America where I'm like, it's not like L.A. But that doesn't mean I'm still not, that doesn't mean I'm not traumatized. My defenses go up. When I am in Houston, I go to Swamit, I'm going during the day. Rarely am I going out because I work at night. I'm in that town. I'm doing a show for a bunch of white kids or alternative, uh, not sexually, but alternative black, alternative hip-hop crowd. I'm not, I can't go to, King of Diamonds or wherever at the height of the night or wherever, you know, live or any of these spots at the height of the night because when I'm in town, it's one night and I'm performing that night. So I usually am in the daytime. This is, I'm going into a party of nothing but black folks at a 
black college, I've never been to a black college party. There are no HBCUs close and within a thousand miles of Los Angeles. The closest one is the one I drove my brother to in last week's episode in Prairie View. That's the Prairie View, Texas is the first HBCU driving east from Los Angeles, from the Pacific Ocean to Texas. Now, if you take the same square mileage on the East Coast, you have all hundred or whatever it is, HBCUs. In North Carolina, I believe there's 10. I don't I don't know. There's a lot. There's more than there is in the whole state of California, which is zero, unless you count King Drew, which is a postgraduate program. And they're deaf, as far as I know, I was never invited to a, a, Drew, a, a Drew party. The presence of black academics and young black academics is not, scholastics is not, a, a, not, a, not, not prevalent here. So to me, it's just a party with a bunch of black folks. All right, possibly there's some shit happening. So I play the wall. They, they're doing their thing, you know what I'm saying? They're trying to introduce me, but I'm just looking around. Knife is going to DJ, of course, so I'm just watching. And it is thick women, regular looking, you know, black dudes. Like, this looks like fun. Holy shit, this is what I thought I would be doing if I could get into Howard or Clark or something. You know, I was the first time I was made aware of black colleges was when they had the AACA clothing line. I don't know, African-American College Apparel. I think that's what it's called. When the Living Legends documentary comes out, I think I wore it at Delaware State because the homie, uh, shout, out, shout out Bear, uh, went to play ball there. So I chose that, but I, I don't have an Almar. And I'm going to get a Morgan State because my goddaughter goes to Morgan State. But even then, like none of the homies from my neighborhood, nobody ever went to HBCUs really. Some, but very, it wasn't like the majority of us. We heard about them, but through rap and through that clothing line, they kind of got big. I had a Howard sweatshirt and a Morehouse sweatshirt growing up. But these are just ideas. They look cool in school days, but I never experienced this. So now I'm experiencing it, and oh, man. I didn't go on the black college tour. I was not. I did not go to school. My brother went on a black college tour, and they had these experiences. This is my first experience, 2003. The, I would, I would think is the end of finals party or midterms or whatever the fuck. Yeah, shout out to Kamani. I had been to, like, a party at Wesleyan. Like, I had been to Kager's. Shout out to Timmy C, who helped me put out the Speak and Spell EP. Like, he taught me how to do a keg stand. Like, but a black college party? No, but I've been to parties. So it was like a hood party, but supposedly safer. So after a few minutes, not a few minutes, probably 30 minutes, I, I let my guard down. On this tour trip, I also, I think, ninth played Rubber Band Man for the first time. I never heard trap music really. Southern music to me was Houston music. Rubber Band Man sounded phenomenal. Oh my God. At this point, I'm having a hip-hop moment, a black history moment. So much is happening in my life. I do what any heathen would do. So many thick black girls. I just lay on the stage underneath the DJ table and just look at that angle for a while. And they are laughing their ass off. I'm like, bro. Girls in LA aren't encouraged to be this thick. Like this, this is just, I need to just, and then I just hear this dude on the mic the whole time, like, it's such and such in the house, blah, blah, blah. Like a real MC 
getting the crowd hype, doing chants. And I'm like, I got to meet this dude. So I get up after a couple of seconds of being silly, laying on the stage. But I really wanted to take in that moment um, in a very disrespectful, black tail sort of way. And this is before butt jobs. It's like when Southern women were thick and it wasn't uh, the trend, nowhere near being the trend. What does the kid say? Dummy thick with two C's. I said, I got to meet this dude. The only person on the mic is the only white person in the place. It is Joe Scudder. Hey, yo, I'm sick of all the wine and the bitching. I swear you act like a bunch of ladies. Cause all you ever do is cry like a bunch of babies. Do you really think that your opinion of Joe will switch my flow? You fucking crazy. You done fell down and bumped your head. You can suck my dick, that's what the fuck Joe said. Simple and plain, I wanted you to catch that shit. I said it, I meant it, so no, I don't regret that shit. But I still got fans that keep it real with Joe. They love my cocky persona and the ignorant flow. They say, fuck them, the ignorant Joe. My manager told me to murder everything so i'm killing them though and i don't really give a fuck if you quote my shit but it's me and i should know because i wrote my shit guess this game truly is the gift and the curse you said you hate me so i know you're gonna love this first who becomes my running buddy because at this point i'm still drinking and smoking american spirits joe scudder drinks and smokes uh poo and tay i think are still on a high road tour Shout out to Mike Burvick, who is one of our uh, nice best friends. He's not with it. So I'm like, all right, this is my dude. Me and Scudder. Yo, I knew the silly chick was digging me. I said I had a girl, but if we keep it on the low, you can get with me. See, I switched the game up. Now she asked when I'm a leaver. Leaver? You know the answer last time that came up. Why you keep stressing? Just keep on So he drops me off at my hotel. The next day we begin recording in a basement of a dentist's office. But more on that next week, next week, next week, next week. Thanks for listening to the Best Rapper in LA podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is. If you like the show, leave a review on Apple Music or Spotify. And to support the podcast directly, go to patreon.com slash M-U-R-S 316, March 316. See y'all next week. Peace. Peace.